go through a process of, of synthesis to understand the positions that people are taking, to understand the roots of some of these things and, and really start there. I think the journey begins with, as I said, with education and awareness. And, and even before that, at a meta level, having the will and the desire to make incremental personal progress and improvement. another episode of Live Your Truth Now. I'm Katie D'Andrea. And I'm Mike Ligori. And we have an extremely special guest. I feel like we say that every episode, but to be honest, they're all extremely special. And Everybody's special. bring so much value and knowledge and wisdom and experience in their own right. And so today we are so honored to have one of my teachers, one of my mentors, Rich Claif. But before we dive into this conversation that you will probably need a notebook and a pen for, I want to give you a little bit of a background on who Rich is. Rich has over 25 years of public and private sector experience spanning global leadership roles in marketing, communications, strategy, training, customer success, sales, and service delivery. Woo, that man does it all. He speaks domestically and globally on business and communication topics. And he's designed and taught a broad range of university courses at the graduate and undergraduate level since 1999, which also serves on several different commercial, nonprofit, and academic boards. In addition to that, he holds several technical certification and has received various industry and academic awards. And you will see why throughout this conversation. Rich, it is an honor to have you here. and We are so excited to speak with you today. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and to, to talk to y'all. I love the episodes I've listened to and, and really enjoy the topics and how you approach it. So really, it's uh, my privilege to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, thank you. No, that's amazing. I know. I really appreciate it. And we're, we're always glad to have fans of the show, I guess, show up in person. So that's always good. No, I'm just kidding. But Rich, you know, you're, we were talking a little bit about this before the show. And as Katie mentioned, your your background is super impressive. And it's also very deep. I think we could just do a whole episode uh, strictly on your background if we just like read it from top to bottom and see what happens. But I want to dive into kind of for the just the layout for this show specifically is talking about communication. Specifically, there's areas something an area that I'm really fascinated in, which is change management. And I think it is an area that I know very little about of the art form, the strategies, what actually goes into it, how are organizations adapting to this? So I guess just for my first question, I'd love for you to kind of just give a very high overview of exactly what change management is and how does that apply to business in the world of business today? Well, that's a great question. I'll try to I'll try to answer that succinctly. Change management, I think, is an inherent part of any business interaction or any inter interaction really at all where somebody is you know, attempting to make some kind of either evolution or directional difference or you know, change fundamentally. And from a communications perspective, I think it's a vital piece to not only look at as an inherent part of what we do, but to also focus on as both art and science. And there are, there are some people out there, I know some really great change management folks at different organizations that it really elevate this to an art form. And it's, it's fundamentally about looking at the business conditions, who's involved. It's really about human beings and understanding what they need to be successful, how they can have their voices heard, how one can engage with them, 
and meet them where they are, so to speak, and ensure that you know things are clear, particularly in in times of of big change. You know, often like if you look at, for instance, Mike in the M and A world, mergers and acquisitions. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times there's challenge in integrating technology and policies and practices and so forth. But the, the vast majority, as the old, the old truism goes, of challenge in an M&A environment comes from the human side of things. People don't understand why they're doing what they're doing or being asked to do what they're being asked to do. They don't understand some of the new cultural tenets that may emerge from a particular change and so forth. So you know, succinctly, change management is really about looking at stakeholders, the humans involved. In things and ensuring that the practices with which we engage them are in line with what needs to be done from a business perspective as well. So it's people, technology, and process mm. has to be looked at. So what are the biggest blunders that people typically make from your point of view when changing a system and carrying out like a, a new strategy or even just changing the organization writ large? Uh, I would say probably under communicating. And not realizing who the who the sort of universe of stakeholders is, and also being not engaging when one communicates, more being sort of top down and directive about things that never feels great. And also, you get in that case more compliance out of fear or whatever than conformance. And really, the the really good change managers know how to help leaders drive conformance. Right. Even the word drive, I'll take, you know, people don't like to be driven, as I heard somebody once say, and it's, it's true. They like to be engaged. They like to be consulted. They like to be you know, involved. So I think that's, Katie, really a big thing is making sure that voices are heard from a variety of perspectives when looking at a change. Yeah. And I think especially as like, given your background, being an adjunct professor, having young children and being a mentor of so many young individuals, like you really get the millennial condition in a way that I think a lot of business leaders in your level or your position don't maybe. And so I really, I'm so on board with you when you're talking about engaging all voices, because I hate being told what to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, really? It's, I've got to say, it's one of the things that's, that's really fascinating to me about, and I won't go too you know, far outside the, the boundaries of the discussion on this, but we've got in some cases, up to five generations, quote unquote, generations of, of people in the workforce right now, from the end of the traditionalists into the boomers, you know, Gen X, millennials, and even now this sort of Gen Z or Gen Z. And people ask a lot of questions. People were, especially you know, young workers were brought up in an age where information was at their fingertips. The sum total, literally, of human knowledge is at their fingertips. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of questions that come through that, and people communicate differently. And I think that's really, really important to to look at that as you as if you do change management and change communication, what the predilections are for people in different situations. What would you say is the emphasis on communication in the workplace specifically, like with a strategy from the top down? We're talking about executive leadership and we're talking about instituting maybe a new plan or it's a new business model. We're revamping logos and color palettes that could impact the entire line of products that go out. When it comes to communicating with these teams that are are spread across in terms of remote work, you know, or globally, and you also have multi-generational impact on that as well. In your experience, how much of a emphasis is placed on making sure that all the communication styles are taking place and they're all they're all very much treated equally and the same and that information is communicated the same in the sense? So l- let me answer that in a slightly reframed way. 
Uh, instead sure. of how do they, I would say how, how perhaps might they or should they, because not everybody okay. does. And things like generation, and you touch on this in the, in the way you asked your question, the term intersectionality comes to mind, and I know that's used a lot in, in the context of DEI and things like that. But it's, it's really important here as well, because everybody, you know, particularly in a global business, there are a lot of different sensibilities that come into play, different perspectives, different experiences. And you know, while you know, business culture, especially at a global level, is to some degree a great homogenizer, there's still a lot, of, a lot of variance there and a lot of nuance there. So what people ought to do uh, in the successful change efforts that I've seen is seek to certainly resonate with folks and make sure that their, their perspectives are represented and heard and brought you know, brought to bear on on the change that they have. Sometimes you know you talk to you said something about strategy from a top down perspective, and I think there's there's a lot of there are several ways to sort of do strategy, quote unquote, and, and some of it you know historically has been top down, and, and to some degree, it's not feasible to do it totally a different way in a large organization. It's got to start someplace. But it's really the level of wh- where do you engage? When do you engage with your stakeholders? Right? Where do you move from informing to actually you know, bringing somebody in, including and ensuring that messaging is clear in terms of what's requested, what's being asked, and how that builds line of sight to the strategy for the organization generally, and how it moves the, the ball forward, so to speak, to use a, mm. an oft-used metaphor. So I think yeah. it's, it's really about awareness. Uh, Mike, and, and understanding cultural perspectives that exist across stakeholder groups and factoring that in in terms of what they may need to see, hear, or be involved in. And that touches on you know, what we might generally look at as generational communication needs, as well as things that might be uh, more cultural or more nuanced in nature. So really about thinking inclusively when designing a change strategy particularly at scale, makes makes a really big difference. And, and one thing that comes to mind when you talk about this specifically with strategy is something that's been in the news recently is a lot of social issues are coming to the fold. A lot of companies are stepping up to get involved in some of these challenges that are facing our society. And so I've noticed that these companies are integrating support of movements like Black Lives Matter or voting rights or some of these like social economic issues. In your experience, have you seen companies embrace these issues as part of their brand? And if they have, what's what's the game plan around that to communicate it? Because I would assume that if you have a huge workforce or you have a younger workforce, it's really important from the bottom to the top to really ask what causes do they care about and how do they want to get involved as employees of the company, even though in a lot of ways, they're not really stakeholders because they're part of, they're like the worker bees, they're on the ground. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I think anywhere one works, one is a stakeholder and in some capacity. There's really, you're not outside of stakeholder-ness. I, I think the movements towards greater social justice and greater awareness of social justice is incredibly important, primarily because it's the right thing to do. It's, it, it's yeah. we have to confront some of the things that that have been ignored or not given not given as much uh, attention and vocalization as they should 
And I believe the, the groundswell that started in that respect, you know, at a grassroots level is finding its way into, into all aspects of, you know, business life as well. You know, people, people, it's funny that years ago, people would say it's just business. Well, sort of just business is just people. I mean, it's still people at the end of the day. And so people bring their perspectives and their uh, sort of positions and, you know, fears and loves and those types of things for the broader world into into the workplace in some capacity uh, and sort of influences how they do what they do. So I think it's it's really vital. You're seeing much more of this, what I've seen across both organizations that I'm directly involved with and, and many others as well, is a much more real focus yeah. on matters of DEI and social justice and, and really not just sort of talking the talk, but beginning to try hard to walk the walk and, and tangle with these things at a fundamental level, whether that's through not just establishment of, of DEI roles, but through broad-based education about interventions, about understanding things like implicit bias, about understanding how the conditions outside of an organization still influence the environment that the organization does business in, if that makes sense. And the fact that we all have a role to play in that and all have the capacity to make a positive difference if we put our minds to it. Mm. Uh, organizations also to put the resources to it, uh, I think is a really important thing as well. So I saw that, Katie. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, this is the context of how we met, right, Rich? Like we met at Hack the Household, hosted by the University of Denver you were the only male in the room of a group of how many? 50 women change makers in Denver to figure out how to create more equity at home as well as at work. And so I'm curious, like, so you're clearly on your path. You've done a lot of your own work. The conversations we've had in the past demonstrate your expanded thinking and your like super adoption of diversity, equity, and inclusion, inclusion principles. I'm curious for those who maybe share a similar perspective in the workplace and they're trying to get their bosses or their peers to do the work, so to speak. How would you use critical thinking and change management and the dialogue that you teach at DU to be able to start to like initiate those conversations to be able to ignite real change in the workplace? Well, that's a, that's a, it's a great question. And it's, it's not necessarily a super simple answer, but I think one of the really important pieces is to become aware of things that perhaps people hadn't thought about in certain contexts. So it's, it's really about how one begins to promote understanding and awareness and a, and a personal reckoning with traditionally held views or, or behaviors that people haven't really thought a lot about. You know, thinking, thinking is one of those interesting things that, that people take for granted in terms of, you know, they're, they think they're good at it, and they might be in certain contexts. But in terms of thinking critically and really deconstructing how an individual got to hold the beliefs that that individual holds is more rigorous for people. And it, it does take a really conscious effort to step back and say, how do I start to question, how do I why do I believe what I believe? How did I come to believe that in the first place? And I think you know, beginning to have conversations about that with people in ways that are situationally appropriate right, for the workplace or, or someplace else you know, versus the academy or, or outside of that is really, really critical. And I think education 
plays a huge role in that in terms of aha moments, in terms of things that provoke you know, thinking about one's own positions on that. So, I, you know, I, I know it's it's somewhat a vague answer, but I think education is a really big part of it and, and bringing exposure to folks who may not have thought about particular things to begin with and then applying it personally and saying, how can I do better? And having that will to say, I want to be better, I want to do better, I want to understand this more is something that comes over time and, and with exposure to things that perhaps people hadn't been exposed to. Yeah, I think you and I have talked about this, like saying, I don't know is the biggest gift of learning because if you don't know, there's an opportunity to learn, right? But if you know everything, you can't learn anything more. So let's say, so our, our podcast, Live Your Truth Now, is geared towards entrepreneurs and leaders, whether they're of small businesses or within organizations. Where would you recommend that that they start with their own journey? Like besides for asking themselves the questions about like belief origin and how did I come to believe this and maybe reading some of the most common books that are bringing to light the issue of pervasive systemic racism within our culture. Where would you suggest that the listeners of our podcast start if they haven't began their work yet? That's a great question, Katie. And I think in part it's governed or conditioned by what their truth, so to speak, might be and what sort of evolution they're ready to make. And I believe that's that's often for people an incremental journey. I think the first thing is to, again, sort of get educated. If you're talking about something like systemic racism, start to delve into the issues that are at play today and, and look at the history of that and say, where did that come from? Look at that and say, why have I, in, you know, in, in the case of somebody who's you know, perhaps white presenting like myself or, or what have you, how, how have I gotten to this point and, and thought about some things, but not necessarily others? How do I get more exposed to thinking that I'm not generally exposed to? And I think looking at different media sources is important. The old adage goes in, in media studies, right? The media don't tell you what to think, but they certainly tell us what to think about by virtue of the fact that they promote a certain thing, you know, they, they're talking about something. So get behind the curtain a little bit, I think is really the, the place to start. And let your curiosity take hold and say, you know, how did I come to this place? How did we collectively come here? And what can I do? What pieces impact me? So on any given day, for instance, you know, I'll, I'll read four or five different online news sites, ranging from what one might consider right-leaning to what one might consider left-leaning, and go through a process of, of synthesis to understand the positions that people are taking to understand the roots of some of these things and, and really start there. I think the journey begins with, as I said, with education and awareness. And, and even before that, at a meta level, having the will and the desire to make incremental personal progress and improvement. Yeah. And I would say shameless plug for something that we've both had impact on is equityis.org. It's the, it's, kind of the founding hub online community for Equity Labs, which is something that Rich and I have both worked on in one capacity or another over the past year and a half. There is a huge library of resources there. We describe our process, which begins with empathy, then moves on to embracing difficult conversations. That's the second module. And then the third module is imagining an equitable world. And so this is just one training in the realm of DE&I where people can start their diversity, equity, and inclusion journey in a way that I find is pretty honest. It's really gentle and very perspective shifting. Um, but yeah, I don't want to 
spend too much time on this conversation, even though for me, it's like one of the things I care most about. I want to move it over to your role as an adjunct professor and helping to shape the minds of like the next wave of the people that are going to be in the workplace and what that's like. What do you teach? And what are some of like the aha moments that you get to be able to facilitate in that role? I I absolutely love teaching, Katie. And I I, said my current focus for the past 10 years or so from a teaching perspective has been on graduate students, typically uh, career professionals who are either advancing their careers or making a shift in their careers and so forth. I do have a lot of exposure to undergraduate courses as well. I'm on a couple of university boards, so that's always really fun. And the two are different. The reason I bring that up is it's really different. The advice that I would give somebody or the experiences I've had talking to people who are really early in their careers or are just graduating, it's really about maintaining curiosity, being outcome-focused, not just sort of output-focused, starting to knit things together. People first coming out of university haven't had the ability to get too far outside of that. They've had internships or so forth, but really look at not just the function one wants to do, but how it fits together in the broader scheme of things. And I, I get really great insights in talking to people about what conditions are like for for young folks today, what the job market feels like, what possibilities exist, even from a a course of study perspective. From a graduate perspective, it's really, I try to tailor the way I teach and the feedback I give to what somebody's particular situation is. I try to get to know what their career goals are, what their professional histories are, and adapt the, the comments I give them within the context of the course to how to help, you know, to, to the goals that they have. And I think what we're seeing a lot, you know, there's, there's been certainly a bit of a turn over the past few years around the kinds of roles that people are seeking. I think the communication roles and change management, just to bring it back, are in incredibly high demand. I believe the critical thinking skills that undergird effective communication and change management are also in very, very high demand. With people even like you know, a year or two ago, uh, Mark Cuban saying one of the most desired, and I'm paraphrasing here, one of the most desired traits in the future generation is going to be critical thinking, right, alongside tech skills and things like that. But really, you know, I, I think those are vital things when people are trying to differentiate their personal brands and you know, go along their journeys. It's, it's, it's critical for them to be able to define themselves on the basis of difference. How do they make a positive difference or make an impression or, or you know, use their thinking to solve tricky problems really effectively for whatever organizations they choose to work for, whether their own or industry or nonprofits. And what about for companies? So if we were to flip that the other way, so as you know, recruiting is always a thing. There's always tons of people that, you know, companies have to fill in holes and, you know, there's always natural progression that happens in an organization. I've heard through this multi-generational lens that companies are having difficulty really communicating with the next wave of American workers or even global workers, mostly because information is being passed on so fast. And even though you were talking about these core skills of critical thinking and you were talking about the way that they're really trying to discern 
I would almost feel like that they're getting better and better at discerning truth or like what fact is instead of, you know, you were talking about the synthesis of information earlier where it was, you read five different things to come to your own conclusion or formulate your own opinion about what's going on in the world. What should employers know specifically about the future of these workers and how should they be communicating to them about working at these companies? You know, when you have this rhetoric of, you know, entrepreneurship or don't work at the big shops because, you know, your time might be restricted or, you know, you're going to be there like your dad and your parents for the next 30, 40 years grinding away. There's a lot of assumptions made. What do you think employers should be looking at or focusing on when when talking to these generation of workers? I think employers should be, and many are, are beginning to do so or do so naturally, depending on how long they've been around and the type of organization they are. But I, I believe younger people coming into the workforce have an expectation of candid communication. They want a level of transparency. They're used to being part of a conversation. And I think that's it's really important. So feeling as if the communications are genuine with people coming in is really important. And setting clear expectations for people is really important too about what the work entails. I believe sometimes you know, folks will get out of a degree and say, you know, I'm going to become a X, Y, and Z. And this is, you know, they have perhaps sometimes an expectation that might occur more quickly. And I think you know, it's really about clarity and transparency and just honest and genuine communication. And I think understanding that for, you know, for large organizations and small organizations, understanding how to engage with people who've had a different life experience, a different set of media, a different set of messages around them and grew up thinking differently about their role in a broader world is really critical. Another really critical thing, Mike, is being able to clearly communicate an organization's mission. What I've found in, in speaking to younger workers and folks just you know fresh out of university or, or other types mm-hmm. of educational programs is they often want to feel connected to the, to the mission for the raison d'etre of the organization. Absolutely. I think that's really crucial that people see what the organizational culture is like. I, I tell undergraduates and graduates, for that matter, on a regular basis, you're also interviewing the organization to make sure it's a good fit for you, not just the other way around. And you know, having that clarity on what you're becoming part of is really important. So you know, I think to, to sum it up for organizations, clear, transparent, genuine communications, clear expectations, and a definitive sense of, what purpose that organization plays in the broader world and how this, you know, how the incoming folks will help progress that. I think easier said than done, right? A lot of the work that Chris Chopiak and I do is around organizational development. It's around culture. It's around strategic planning. It's around systems change. So I'm curious as someone who does organizational development, culture, strategic planning, change management, leadership development for a living, and ontological coaching, right? Like that's a a lot of words right there. And Rich, as you're someone who works in a global firm and who is someone who's like an early adopter and very much on the leading edge of change, I'm curious for those, I guess there's two stakeholder groups that I want to acknowledge here. So for groups like me, who I'm like an Enneagram 8, like I'm all about challenging convention, like I'm all about solving the problem, getting to the heart of the why, what really matters, like unpacking the bullshit, (laughs) you know, really discovering, like when people say something, I'm like, tell me why, like, I want to know. 
And so when you work for an organization such as like yours, I'm not saying that yours has an attribute like that, but like there are lots of global firms with sort of with a history or a DNA of like, this is the way it's always been. That's the way it's going to be. How would you recommend people, let's say like me, who are all about critical thinking, address sort of that change in the workplace that they want to evoke, but necessarily isn't supported by the top down? Hmm. So interesting conundrum in that case. I, I Luckily for me, I've worked with organizations <laughs> that really are uh, progressively minded in terms of, of change and constant evolution. And I think that's really, really important. At other times, what I've seen be effective in a lot of different organizations, whether small or large, is to begin that incrementally, right? Make sort of make landfall in one particular place and begin to influence it in step change from, you know, if, mm-hmm. if possible. Sometimes that's not. Sometimes you need, a, you know, a large scale effort. But I think some of the, the really good ways to do that is, you know, step change in places where there's really great need. If that can't be done and an organization it really has to change at a, at a fundamental level, I think it's about looking at, at in things in a business context. What is the risk of inaction? What is, you know, the old SWAT, you know, strengths, opportunities, you know, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. There's always these follow-ons that say ramification of inaction, in my mind, or consequence of, of focused action. And I think being able to paint a picture in terms of risk, efficiency, long-term benefit is always really important to sort of look at the lexicon of the industry or environment. You know, at an NGO, you might speak differently than you would in a, in a, you know, in a, in a business environment, you know, for-profit industrial environment. So I think understanding the lexicon and, and the goals and being able to frame how the change will help achieve those goals is really critical and what that journey looks like. I love that. I call that speaking into their listening, right? Like understanding like what are their human, personal, and professional desires of being able to frame your solution to help them meet their goals better and faster. Absolutely. One more question before we sign off, because I, it really feels important to ask, what are your tenants or your principles of leadership for you, Rich? Like what are your <laughs> what are your guiding factors? That's a really also a good question. I feel like I say that in front of it after every one of the questions y'all ask me. Oh, that's a really good question. Maybe it's why you you have this podcast because you ask great questions. <laughs> if we don't ask good questions, then we shouldn't exist. <laughs> it's, it's it's good validation. Um, so there's a lot of things. I I believe to a great degree in the in the ideas of servant leadership. Insofar as I feel like my purpose within you know, the teams that I lead is to try to clear the decks for people so they can get on with it, get their things done, help them grow. And I mean that both professionally and at a at personal level as well. I, I am really focused on helping individuals grow to be the professionals they want to be and to, to take their careers in directions they want to take them. Uh, I'm really focused on outcomes from the work that we do, being able to look and say we made a difference in this capacity and we contributed in this capacity on the intellectual or academic i guess front <laughs> in terms of teaching and so forth it's it's the same thing how does one you know help people achieve their goals how do you keep the faith how do you sort of maintain the rage so to speak and transcend some of the challenges and learn to make mistakes and incorporate those mistakes into your perspective and move on I want to create an environment where people are comfortable understanding that you know, not everything's going to be perfect the first time out but don't make the same one twice. But but certainly, you know, 
stretches you need to to achieve your your objectives, personal and professional. I love that. That's good. I think we should just end like, it right there. That's job. it. Everybody go, home. <laughs> go. Yeah. Go home for the end of the day. No, on a serious note, Rich, thank you so much for your time. You have wisdom that I have to go back and listen to this thing that over makes and over two again. Of us. <laughs> There's a, there was a lot in there that I think is just super helpful. And it was just really cool to see the future of work where people are actually heading, where things are going, how people should look and respond to change. So I wanted to thank you so much for just taking time out of your day to join us on the show. In the spirit of the show that Katie and I have started together, we start with our guest to share one key takeaway. So if nobody listened to anything in this episode or had no clue what the hell you were saying, at least you can give away one key takeaway to something that they should learn or they can apply to their daily life, whether it's to their business, their to their workplace, or any sort of team dynamic. So Rich, we will start with you. What is one thing that you want people to remember from this show specifically? What I want people to remember is they have the ability to make a positive difference at a personal and professional level by maintaining their curiosity, educating themselves, and continually looking at how to progress personally and professionally. Mm, That's good. I love that. Katie. Damn, that's good. Mine is around the intersectionality of different people and peoples in business and how important it is to be able to communicate from that whole being perspective when either managing change or creating a new system or process, or even just like leading them and managing them is to take the whole person into account because we are people in business. Simply that. Mm, That's good. I like that. Mine will be in the theme of change that change is coming and it's coming fast. There's, I think business is moving faster than it's ever been. And I think people have to be faster. They have to move quickly. They have to expect the unexpected, especially last year, kind of just coming out of nowhere with COVID and changing the way that the workplaces and business, people more now than ever have to invest in themselves and have to invest in in skill sets that are going to allow them to thrive in any sort of condition and operation. I think gone are the days where you have to, you know, you can be the the expert in one really good thing. I think you have to be a generalist of a sort and have a wide range of skills. And so that was one of my key takeaways today was just all the dynamics and the the changing flow. Rich, thank you again so much for joining the show. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of Live Your Truth Now. We will be back next week with another special guest episode because everybody is special that comes on the show. (laughs) So we'll have another special guest for you. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you, Rich. Bye, everybody.